You believe Jesus is a miracle worker? Amen. Amen. Hey, let's pray right now. Lord God, you know, there are so many miracles we don't see, we don't recognize. The miracle of being able to breathe. The miracle of, of coming to a church where there are other people that have your spirit in them just like you are in me. And God, we can rejoice in those miracles. We, the miracle of food on the table, the miracle of friends, the miracle of being saved. Oh God, you touch us where we're at, the need for you, and you change our lives. That's a miracle that, that we now don't desire to live sinfully. We desire more of you. That's a miracle, God. And Lord, we want more miracles. God, you can work them in our lives. We want, we want to be taken away from that, that sin nature more and more and become more like you. And then, God, when we struggle with, with a, a physical ailment, you can touch us and, and you can bring us closer to you. And the miracle is, is often you comforting us, God, and us getting our strength from you as we recover. And God, as we go forward in life, Lord, you can touch us. And so this morning, God, the miracle we look forward to is your spirit making the words in your Bible come alive to us and speaking to our hearts. So we ask that you would speak to us. We ask for conviction. We ask for guidance. We ask for nourishment. We ask for help. We ask for it all, God. We want it from you. So Lord, speak to us now. Do a mighty, mighty work. We ask this in Jesus' name. And the church said, amen. Please be seated. Good morning. Hey, thank you, Jacob, for leading us in worship. And yeah, yeah, it's nice. You know, it's fun as we, we are in our study of Ephesians. If you're joining us, we're, we're working our way through the book of Ephesians. And today's going to be kind of different, but we'll be there as well. You know, we, we were talking last week of why we needed more Jesus in our lives. And uh, it was just a fun thing because if we get more Jesus, we become more like him. And we, we, we reap more of the benefits of who we are. We get that inheritance now. But we look at that, and then we got to ask ourselves, you know, a lot of times is why Jesus? You know, a lot of people in our world seems to be doing just fine without God. I mean, you see a lot of do-gooders out there these days, don't you? You see some people out there that, that they're, they're doing good helping other people. We see it a lot, and man, they, they look like they're enjoying their lives. You know, there are people of other religions like Mormons. They, they, they don't have Jesus. They know a Jesus, but they don't have a relationship with us, with him like we do. But they have moral lives. They are good going people. They have wonderful families. They even speak in tongues. I mean, hey, they, they, don't, they don't need Jesus, right? And, then, and, and they're doing fine. And we think of people of other religions like Muslims. They're good people. There's a lot of good Muslims out there. And they're religious. And they're, they're following their God. And then you got other people that are the do-gooders, you know. And their religion is saving the, the environment. And, and it's noble, and we can think about that noble pursuit and their, their, their car footprint is nothing. They look good, you know? And the thing is, is, is that's good stuff. And then everybody likes to help the homeless, like to recycle, like to do these things, right? But they don't have Jesus, so why? Why? And today I want to talk about that. Because I think we've got to remind ourselves of some things. And so we're talking about the reason for Jesus. 
And I got seven reasons for you. You're like, really, seven? Yeah, it's gonna be great. We're gonna get moving on it. Because we gotta understand that the world doesn't think they need Jesus. The world thinks they're, they're fine and they don't need a savior. They don't need nothing because they got it all worked out, right? And so let's remind ourselves why Jesus did come. And so one of our primary passages is gonna be in Luke 19 if you wanna go there. But I'm gonna read Luke 19 verse 10 and it says this. For the son of man has come to seek and save that which was lost. See, Jesus, he came because why? He came to seek and save what? Sinners. And you know, the funny thing is, is a lot of people in our world don't think that they're sinners. They don't want to admit they're sinners, but they don't, they don't think they're sinners. I, I, I wrote it like this. Most people don't want to admit they are sinners or need saving. That's, that's the truth. They don't, I don't need saving. I can do it myself, Right? But the question is then, why do they do so many good deeds? Why do they feel like they have to do it? Why do they respond to their guilt if they don't need saving or if they, don't, they aren't a sinner? See, humanity tries to justify. They don't, they don't want to admit, but in their hearts they know. And what do they know? They know where they stand. See, Jesus is needed because man is dead. That sounds kind of harsh, but that's the plight of humanity. Humanity is dead. They're in a walking graveyard. And if you were saved and now you're saved and you, have, you can reflect and you can say, yeah, I was dead before. I was dead. And Paul reminds us of that in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. He says very plainly, and you were dead in your transgressions and sin. Now, transgressions are misdeeds. So you didn't do your deeds right. And sins are those things that you didn't get perfect. You missed the mark. And so we see that, you know, hey, yeah, I'm not perfect. And you ask anybody out there, are you perfect? Well, no one's perfect. See, that means they're sinners. They've missed the mark. But they don't want to admit that. But man, when they miss the mark, they have to understand it. Where do they stand spiritually? Spiritually, they're dead. And they're dead before God. And, and we forget this. You know, if you think about it like this, if you, if you go into a morgue and there's a body there, the, the body is physically dead. It does not respond to physical stimuli. Did you know that? It, you can poke it and it doesn't do anything. I, I remember that in the, the anatomy lab in college. <laughs> but that's the reality. But a spiritually dead person does not respond to what? To spiritual stimuli from Christ. They don't respond to it because they are dead. Now, the Bible, as it talks about, about death, it talks about physical and spiritual separation. See, if you're dead, it means you're separated from God. You don't have a relationship with him. And we see this in Isaiah. And in Isaiah 59, verse two, it says this, but your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God. And your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. You see, see, church, we, the thing is, is when you are not saved, you are spiritually separated from God, spiritually dead. You don't respond to him. And he doesn't respond to you. See, it takes a savior coming after us. See, today we're gonna be looking at another passage too. And that's in Luke. 
in chapter, chapter 19, verses 1 through 10. And this is a story we all know, and some of you may not know it. It's a story of Zacchaeus. And Zacchaeus was a tax collector. And a lot of people, we've heard this story before, but a tax collector is a pariah to his culture, to his native people, the Jews. They hated him. Because why? He sold them out for the enemy. And he took and made more money off of the Jews by more taxation. And it was legal. And so he could gouge as much as they want. And so they looked at him, and he was not allowed to worship with them. He was, he was dead to them, and he hung out with people that were dead to them as well, those other sinners, like prostitutes. And, and that was their friends, because they were alienated from society. And Zacchaeus, he knew he was dead to God. He couldn't worship God. He knew it. He knew in his heart, hey, you know what? I am dead. Even the culture knows I'm dead. And you know, like the rest of the culture, they know they're dead because they know they're sinners. But they don't want to admit it. But at least Zacchaeus, he could admit it. Because why? Because he was disobedient to God. In church, we have to understand that Jesus is needed because man is disobedient. You see, the plight of man is they're dead. Why? Because of disobedience. They aren't following God. They aren't following what the Lord says. They aren't going after him. They aren't living as God has called them to live. They aren't accepting God's ways. And that's what Nicodemus did. And we see for us our plight and what it looked like before we were saved. Look at verse 2 of chapter 2 of Ephesians. In which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the powers of the air, and the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Among them, we too, all formerly lived in the lusts of our flesh, indulging in the desires of the flesh and of the mind. You see, church, this is how we used to live. And this is sometimes a lot of us are drawn back to it. But you know why we're disobedient is because we come from that sinful nature that we were disobedient before. And there are those three areas of, of disobedience and what draws us there. And it's the world. And that's the systems of the world. You can see in verse 2. And it says, you were formerly walked according to the course of this world. And, and, the, and we see the world and its systems. What are those systems? Well, those are those areas that are drawing you to a way and calling you to conform. And so we see it in the culture. It's like conform to our ways. Accept our ways of what we think is moral. You know? Okay, it's okay now. Let's do drugs. We're going to sell it on every corner. That's now morally accepted. Or, or like this, hey, you know what? Pornography is okay. You just go to any website you like. That's okay. You know, okay, yeah, it's the norm. You, you know, our lifestyles. See, those things, that's the world pushing in on you, getting you distracted to what? To follow, to be disobedient. The other one we see is the spirit of the air or the spirit of the devil. These are, this is a demonic force, and you can see it there in verse 2 as well. And, and we think of this, and a lot of people have, it, have a little bit of misconception, you know, because we like to say, the devil made me do it, you know? I sinned, oh, your little Satan's on my shoulder telling me what to do. We think of that. You know, now, Satan is not omnipresent. He can't be in multiple places at one time. He's not God. But he's got people working for him. He's got other demons, yes. 
And they influence other people. And those people influence you. I mean, think of Hollywood. What's coming out of Hollywood? And you see it from Toy Story. You see it all the way through, right? To your adult movies. The pressures of Hollywood saying, here, disobedience. Follow our ways. We see it in Washington. We see it in some of the school districts. We see different things of what, hey, this is the area to be disobedient and, and it's okay. And you're influenced that way. We see it very plainly. And then the last one we also see is the flesh. And that's man's fallen nature. And it says very plainly in verse three, it says this, among them we too formerly lived in the lusts of our flesh, the indulging of the desires of the flesh and of the mind. We see it right there. And this is where the world doesn't have to go far to sin and to be disobedient. Why? It starts up here. You're disobedient at heart, at nature. And so this is where we're, we're getting distracted. This is where we understand that this is what's drawing us away and what draws humanity away. And that's what draw or drew, sorry, sorry about my, my wording there. That's what drew Zacchaeus away was the world systems. Because who was Zacchaeus? In verse two, we, we see very plainly, it says, and there was a man called by the name Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and he was rich. Now there's nothing wrong with being rich. But what was he? He was first a tax collector. And what do tax collectors do? They tax people, but they raise the amount. See, Rome wants there, and then if you want to earn your living, you had to up, up the cost. And so they said, okay, I'm going to up the cost. And it was okay with Rome. Now, he was the chief tax collector. He was the chief, meaning, hey, he had to buy that position. He had to buy it. And so he willingly and went and he took the money more and more. I don't want to. So he's the tax collector. Okay, oh, there we go. Woo! All right, he's, he's the chief tax collector. And the thing is about tax collectors is how they make their money, we know. And now, what is the thing that we understand that comes very clear to people that know the Bible? There's these Ten Commandments. Remember those things? There was one of them that said what? Do not steal. And so he knew he was dead to God. Because why? He was disobedient. So what was his plight? He knew that he, there was no hope for him. He was doomed. In church, we have to understand that as well. That without Jesus, we're doomed. See, Jesus is needed because man is doomed. Man is doomed. They're, they have no hope to getting to heaven. Their eternal destiny is hell. And, and pastors don't like to talk about hell, but it's a reality. You can do all the good things in the world, but that is the destiny of people. And that's why Jesus came. We see it very clearly. All of us were in this boat. And in verse 3, it says this in Ephesians, and were by nature children of wrath. 
even as the rest. You see, the nature of humanity is wrath. That is your destiny. That is who you are. That is what you came into this world as. And many people are leaving as children of wrath. You are born into that. That's the destiny. And sadly, that is where most people stay. Because that's where they are judged. And a lot of people say, no, I can work my way out of it. No, you're already set. Look what it says in John 3.18. It says, he who believes in him is not judged. And he who does not believe has been judged already. Because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So man, humanity, their judgment is, hey, you came into this world. That is it. And why? Because they didn't believe. We see it very plainly. It says in Romans, the wages of sin is death. Remember the people? They don't want to admit that they're sin, but the reality is they are. That's where, there's, that's where they go. And they don't want to admit it, but, you know, the, the reality is, uh, yeah, I'm not perfect. See, perfection is impossible for humanity. That's why we need Christ. And so Zacchaeus knew his plight. And we see what he did in verse 3. Zacchaeus came, or excuse me, Zacchaeus was trying to see who Jesus was. Now, I want to point this out. This is key. Zacchaeus did not know who Jesus was. He didn't know who this guy was. There was a big commotion. And so I got to see what everybody's talking about here. And so we see, we see this, and he was unable because the crowds, and he was small in stature. So we ran ahead and he climbed into a sycamore tree in order to see him, for he was about to pass through that way. So here we have something. It's a very interesting scene. It's Zacchaeus doesn't know what is going on here. And he, and he sees Jesus, and, he, and Jesus is, what, what is he doing? Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem to take the Passover, his final Passover, and then head to the cross and die for all humanity. But what we understand is, is Zacchaeus doesn't have an idea who this man was. But look what Jesus does here. It's very clear, and it says this in verse 5. When Jesus came to the place, he looked up and he said to him, Zacchaeus, Hurry and come down, for today I must stay at your home. Do you see something very interesting here? Zacchaeus had no idea. It was Jesus who came and sought out Zacchaeus. What was Jesus' mission? To seek and save that which was lost. Zacchaeus had no idea. It was Jesus who was doing the seeking. Now you might go, well, that's interesting, Tom. Now let's think about that. See, church, it's really, it's really a telling thing because Zacchaeus had no desire to get to Jesus. He just wanted to see who he was. Because understand this very plainly. There is none who understands. There is none who seeks for God. So what does Jesus do? He seeks out. He seeks the lost. Now let me bring it closer to home. Where is the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Jesus now? He's in the believer. You see, church, this is the mission for the Christian. You want to know the reason 
for you is it's called evangelism. See, Jesus wants to seek and save the lost, but we are the vehicle now. We are the reason that we're, the reason we're here is that is it. See, Zacchaeus isn't going looking for Jesus to get saved. He's doomed. He's disobedient, and he's dead, and he knows it. But you know what? They don't know what Jesus truly offers. And so, church, we have to understand that Jesus loves sinners. Jesus loves sinners. And, and you know what? So should we. See, when he talks, when you, you read in the Gospels about Jesus' fondness towards tax collectors, you know, he's always, he's always like uplifted with them. Why? Because they know their plight. They know that there's no hope. The rest of humanity thinks they actually have hope. But they don't. And so Jesus, he loves them. Because they understand that sinners like them, they know that they can't revive themselves. They know where they sit. We see this. We can see that Jesus loves them. Look at how he loved us in verse 5 and 6. Even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So we have now, when you were saved, he elevated you with him and literally at the same place where he sits in glory. That's your new station. And the reality of that is we are saved because why? He loved us as sinners. He loved us. Look what it says very plainly here in John. It says, truly, truly, I say to you. Oh, excuse me. I, I skipped ahead. I went to the wrong John. And it says, God demonstrates his own love towards us that like while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Now that's love. He loved us so much. So. We see that he loves sinners, but how much does he love sinners? Well, we can also see in John chapter 3, verse 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Now, we hear that a lot, but look at that. That's the love that he gives to us. He gives us this wonderful love. Now, many today in our world don't feel loved by God. They don't feel loved by anybody. And so they go searching for love in all the wrong places. They write songs about it too, you know. And they go looking for this love. And they're out there and they go, where is this love? So they go, to a, they go to a religion. Maybe I'll find something there that will fill the emptiness. They'll go to a relationship. Maybe I'll find something. They go to a bottle. They go to a drug. They go to people. You name it. But there's no love to be had. So Jesus seeks him out. Jesus wants to share this love. And I want to go back and look at what happens here in verse 6. And he hurried and he came down and received him gladly. That's Zacchaeus. He hurried, got off the tree. Now, this is a wonderful scene if you would just sit there and think about this. Here is a man who is ostracized. He's a pariah to the culture. And Jesus, who everyone has come out to see, chooses him. And he's, it's, it's kind of like a kid on a schoolyard gets picked first. Me? Really? And you think about the disciples. They're there. Yeah, I guess it's you. Come on. And they're excited. And he's just like, wow. And, you know, he, I want to go. 
You know, and, and so often, you know, the culture, they would say, you know, uh, you know, Jesus wants you. Yeah, but, you know, I got to get ready for God. I got to stop doing some stuff first. You know, they, they come up with that idea. But you don't see Zacchaeus going, well, let me go home first, make sure it's clean. I got, you know, all that paraphernalia out there. I don't want you to see those other gods or whatever. I don't know. He goes, no, gladly. He, he accepts him. Because why, church? There's something about Jesus. See, Jesus makes the dead alive. See, when Jesus seeks the dead, the dead sense something. They're either repulsed or they sense life. And Jesus makes the dead alive. Sinners, they know they're dead. But when you get life, you look back and you see the graveyard that you were in. You see the graveyard of life. You go, oh. Zacchaeus, he found that. He found that in Christ. We'll see in just a second. But I want to look at Ephesians. Look at Ephesians verse 5 now. It says, or excuse me, not Ephesians 5. Yeah, Ephesians 5, 5 and 6. It says, did I, I skipped ahead, didn't I? Well, anyway. <laughs> but look at how he makes us alive. I'll read it again. For even when we were dead in our transgressions, God made us alive together with Christ. Now sit on that. In our transgressions, our sins, he made us alive in him. Now we can rest in that, and we can enjoy that, and we can grab hold of that, and we can say, thank you, God, and he's willing to do it for us. And if we just embrace it, we can say, yes, God. But many people don't want to. And so this is where we have to understand. Look what it says. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and does not come into judgment, but is passed out of death into life. You see, if we believe, many people hear about Jesus. They'll see it on your bumper sticker. They see it on little fish. They see it wherever. But the thing is, is you have to believe. And Zacchaeus, he's sitting there going, you know what? There's something that happened amazingly. Because he felt something. He gladly accepted Jesus. And the crowd, you know, so often we're judgmental with people. We don't know what God's doing in their hearts. We don't know how God's drawing them in. And the crowd acts predictably. They, they do exactly what they should do. They look at this man, and they look at Jesus, and they go, how dare he? And we see it very plainly. And it says this, and when they saw it, this is verse 7, they began to grumble, saying, he has come to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. You know, it's amazing. The world is very judgmental on people. Because why? Because they don't want to look internally. They don't want to look at what, what's going on in their lives, that they're doomed. They think, because maybe I'll do a righteous deed, I'm going to be okay. Maybe that'll get me covered. And that was the culture that was there. That was the culture. They're going, hey, I go, I do my sacrifice. But you know what? We don't know what they're going on, that disobedience in their mind, the disobedience to conform, like many of us. 
And so often we weigh judgment on people because they're not of the same status. They don't do the same works as us. But church, we got to remember something. Jesus saves us and the Christian for an eternal purpose. And that means there's something that's going to change. You see, when you're saved, it's not just for salvation to get out of hell. That's a byproduct. Did you know when he makes somebody alive, he makes them alive for eternity? See, that means there's an eternal purpose for us. And so when you are alive, when he makes you alive, that eternal purpose should start to bud in your life. See, that's where you can see a Christian. Are they growing? Have they gone in any progression? Have they realized what God has done for them? Because we see in verse 7 of Ephesians chapter 2, it says very plainly, it says this, so that in the ages to come, now what's the first verse? He made you alive for what? The ages to come. The ages to come might show the surpassing riches of his grace, the kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. See, we get the riches. And that grace flows for all eternity for us. We see it very plainly in, in Romans 6.23. It says, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Eternal life. You go, oh, that's great. Eternal life is something much more. It begins at salvation, because we see what happens. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourself. It is a gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. Now, we heard this a lot. But we see that the gift is freely handed to the believer. The gift is freely given to us. Why? For an eternal reason, an eternal purpose, church. See, salvation is the beginning. See, he makes alive. See, in the house where Zacchaeus gladly accepted Jesus, those people were complaining. We don't know the conversation that took place in that house. And the house was basically open so people could look in the windows. And so they were there watching this and complaining, but there were some words that were said in the house. And we see that salvation happens here. Look what it says in verse 8. It says very plainly, Zacchaeus stopped and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord. I want to stop there. Behold, Lord. He doesn't address him as rabbi. He doesn't address him as good teacher. He doesn't address him as sir. He uses Lord. The word Lord. That's kurios. And kurios means someone that you belong to. You see, that's what he's saying. I belong to you. He's saying, you are my Lord. You are my master. You are now the one who calls the shots. And his response, we see the response of salvation in him. And we see it very clearly in the rest of the verse. And it says, behold, Lord, half my possessions I will give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone at anything or of anything, I will give back four times as much. See, we see salvation take place. We see it happen. The world doesn't see it. They don't recognize it. They just complain. 
And then what happens is God says, no, no, no. And what happens is the byproduct is an eternal purpose. And look at Jesus' response. And he said to Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because he too is a son of Abraham. Now, you might go, well, yeah, he's a Jew, son of Abraham. Now, that's not what he's talking about there. See, a lot of people, they read that and, and they think, well, that's the Jewish people. That is Israel, right? Now, how was Abraham saved? He was justified by faith. You see, Jesus is referring to this man that you are saved by your faith. That is the reality of what happened in that house. He was saved. He understood and Jesus rejoiced in that, that that man understood and embraced it. So we have to see something here that, that trickled from that moment of Zacchaeus being saved. We see his eternal purpose start. And we see it that Jesus works in and through the saved. You see, this is what Jesus does. When you respond to the message of Christ, when Christ seeks you out, you respond, and he brings you back to life, what happens is then your eternal purpose begins, and then your life is changed. And that is what happened to Zacchaeus, and that is what happens to somebody who is saved. Ephesians 2.10, it says, For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. What do we see with Zacchaeus? You see, salvation, we see repentance, of course. Because why? He automatically wants to make things right and do the work that God has called him to do. And church, we can only do that when the Spirit of God enters us. He enables us to do it. That good work. I, I wrote it like this. The power that saves you from the graveyard gives you power to live for Christ today. Because remember, you were dead. You were disobedient. Thus, you were doomed. And so what did Christ do? He loved you, and he gave himself for you so that you could live for him. And so the good work begins. And you might say, what's a good work? Is it recycling? I don't know. I know, for one thing, is God wants to seek and save the lost. So is that a tool that he can use to do that? I don't know. But this I do know. It's a natural response. It's a desire in you. That good work is impressed on you by the Holy Spirit. You want to do it. That is the byproduct of salvation. Good works are a natural outflow of the saved. It's a natural thing. You're not feeling it? Why? Have you fallen back into those three things that bring you disobedience to God? Are you influenced now by the culture and you're conforming to it? Are you listening to de demonic forces on TV and on the internet and those people around you that are influencing you for God? Are you following your own sinful nature? Are you putting yourself back in that situation? Or what you have in Christ? 
Are you somebody that realizes what your God has done for you? Because I'll tell you, 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 17. Therefore, if anyone, that means you, is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things have passed away, and behold, the new things have come. Right there. The new things have come. Those new desires. See, why? Why do we need Jesus? See, there's plenty of reason. But now your reason for Christ, the reason for Jesus is to live new and to get a new microphone. That's the reason. And so, church, we've got it in front of us. We have opportunity in front of us. And the fun thing is, is I love the story of Zacchaeus. A life changed. Each of us can relate to that life changed. Each of us was lost in our transgressions. But Jesus sought us out because his job was to seek and save that which was lost. So realize it. Get back on board with it. Get back with Jesus because that is the reason we're here. Your eternal reason is now. Start living for him and start letting him live through you. And I'm going to have the worship team come up. And I want to challenge you as we prepare our hearts for communion. If you are a visitor with us and you love Jesus, you can take communion with us. And what we're going to do is we're going to pray and the elements are going to be passed out and you can take those and hold on to them and I'll lead you in it. But the one thing I want us to do is examine, are we living, are we being Christ to this world? Are you going after the world or are you going after Christ? It's time to do business. It's time to reflect on what the miracle you've been given, that Jesus and the reason you have him. Let me pray. Lord God, we pray, we say thank you. God, we love you so much. We need to love you more. Lord, bring to our minds the reality of what you have given us, the hope, the miracle of salvation. Help us, God, to know that, to realize that. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.